We want to be available to you in our hearts to be your throne room for you to have full access to who we are. So I pray that we would posture ourselves with you in a way uh, that we don't filter who you are through um, this filter of uh, what we've done wrong or shame or our anger, but we'd surrender those at least for a moment so that we can see you as you are and see the truth of who you are in our lives. So I pray a blessing over Sharon in Jesus' name that you would fill her with ever-increasing glory because of your presence upon her, that you would fill her with energy and joy and freedom and permission to go wherever you want to take this without having to worry about what we might think or feel, but leave everything up to you. So I pray that she would enjoy her time right now with you and ask that you would have your way and protect her and protect us in this time as uh, we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sure, this is on. When he was praying, he said, just grant me permission. When someone, when authority over you can say, I grant you permission, there really has a lot of weight in that. So I hope I don't take advantage of it, but I thank you for that permission. (laughs) Financial Peace University, just another little add-on to that. It took Scott and I probably about 25 years to figure out that we can control money. Money doesn't have to control us. Um, So if you uh, need any kind of help or you want to get involved in a community to help you do that or you want some accountability, I highly recommend it. Um, Don't wait 25 years to realize that we do control money. It doesn't control us. So speaking of that, do you guys remember your very first paycheck you ever got? Ooh, some resounding yeses. Where did you get it from? Who gave it to you? Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory? Is there really a place that is called that? Oh. Do we have it here in Minnesota? Oh. How, do you remember how much your paycheck was? You didn't care. Hey, is it one of those deals where you take your paycheck and turn around and buy more chocolate? Anybody else? Where did you get your first paycheck from? Carboni's Pizza, which is, they have great crust on their pizza. I love Carboni's. Do you remember how much it was? No. That's our? Three bucks an hour. Three bucks an hour? Woo! I remember when I started working, minimum wage was two twenty-five an hour. I guess I did well. Anybody else? McDonald's. That's a good one. That's a good one. I did do a little stint at Burger King for a while, and I worked with a guy named Joe Squires from my high school. And in the French fry bag, we found a French fry about this long, and we hid it, and we, we waited to see how long it would be before someone found it, and nobody ever took it down. It could still be. Well, no, it can't be there. The Burger King's gone. So <laughs> anybody else? $3.02 an hour at super value. That's fantastic. It feels good to earn a paycheck, doesn't it? it it's, it's a great thing that we, have, that we can work and we can earn something and we can say, this is my money. How many of you guys immediately turned it around and spent it? 
How many of you guys turned around and saved it? I knew that. There's always some of you guys in the crowd. (laughs) It's good to earn a, a good day's wage. It's good to work hard and be proud of something. It's good to say, I did that well. There's things we should work hard at. There's a, when we have a sense of accomplishment, doesn't that feel good? And whether it's you're remodeling something in your house and you nail the last finishing nail in or you've worked hard on a project at work and you can send it off to be finished, it feels good to have accomplishment. Things do need to be earned. It's the way we've been trained, isn't it? That we would work hard and we would earn things and we would earn our way and we would earn a, pay- a paycheck. You know what else needs to be earned? A place in the Super Bowl. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. We are having a Super Bowl party today, uh, and I th- suggested we all wear black. So, I'm really happy for Minneapolis. Kinda. Have you ever worked with someone who doesn't pull their weight? What are the thoughts? that go through your mind when you think about working with someone who doesn't pull their weight. It's not fair. It's not okay. In my mind, I'm like, just do your job. Will you please do your job? Your work... This uh, music stand is not pulling its weight right now. (laughs) Whoever this is, sorry, but they're all out of order. Spencer, I'm always picking up his messes. (laughs) We think it's not fair. We think, why aren't you earning your keep like the rest of us? And we have those thoughts that happen. I want to turn us, before we go to the scripture today, to think just a little bit more on a more spiritual level and compare how it feels um, when we don't do our job as Christians and as followers of Jesus. Are we justified? When we, get to, when we get to heaven, are we in or are we out? You think of somebody who's a missionary, who spends a lifetime of feeding the poor, giving shelter to people, going down underneath the cold bridges in Minneapolis and taking them out of the cold and putting them into a warm place. They're doing great work. And we think, oh, they're good people. They really deserve what they're going to get. Don't we? Do we think that? We, we put them on a little bit of a pedestal. We think that they are really good Christians. Switch with me to a minute, for a minute to somebody who does not live a life like that. Maybe they have reasons, but they grew up on a darker side of the world. They become um, bank robbers, or they become robbers of the super value, or they, you know, and they end up in prison. Maybe, how about the serial killer? What do they get? What we're going to see in the scripture today is if they believe... In Jesus Christ, they are just as justified as the missionary. They didn't have to do anything to earn that justification. And if there's anything inside of us that is screaming, that's not fair, 
They should have to pay more of a price. They're not going to get in. They're an evil person. They don't deserve to spend eternity with, with God in heaven. If there's anything in us that wants to judge ourselves, then, we're not, then we don't fully understand what Paul's about to tell us in chapter 4 of Romans. So let's go there and see what Paul has to say. Maybe. Turn it on. So this is uh, Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Hey, we're in chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, therefore he was righteous. You see, in this context, the Jews would put Abraham on a really, really high pedestal. He's the forefather of the nation. He's the one that followed God where he needed to go. He's... on such a pedestal that there's even writings outside of Scripture that would say he didn't sin. Now, we know that's not true because he wasn't Jesus, but that's how high of a context that they would put Abraham on in a pedestal. And Paul is saving, saying even him, he can't boast about what he did. It's not the way of the kingdom. When we compare Abraham to others... Yeah, he probably has a little higher status because that's what we do really well. But when you compare him to God, he doesn't hold a candle, does he? And it's what we do. We compare ourselves to other people. But what we really need to realize is our, our response to that when we realize we're not going to make it, when we realize we don't have what it takes. So Paul goes on to write, Now to the one who works... His wages are not counted as a gift, but something they have earned. (laughs) How many of you guys, when you got your first paycheck, you wrote your boss a thank you note? It wasn't a gift, was it? It wasn't favor. You worked, you got what was due to you. The contract was settled when you got that paycheck. Then listen to what Paul writes. To the one who does not work... The one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. We are trained to earn things. We are trained to do a good job. And there's a place for it. But the kingdom, the the principle of grace works so different. And it's what Paul is trying to tell us in Romans chapter 4. Under grace, you don't work to be justified. Grace is the opposite of what we've been trained to do. It's like, this is crazy talk. You don't work? Whoever does not work? Whoever does not work. You have to do nothing. Doesn't that go against the grain of what we've been taught about earning our keep, making our way? This is what he didn't say. God justifies the one who tries to do his best. God justifies the nice person who always meant well, who loved their family, who spent hours and hours in devotion, who spent hours and hours of worship, who prayed every day. Come on, you guys, you know the Christian list. Who gave of your time, gave of your talents. 
was at the church more than other people. He doesn't say that, does he? He says to the one who does not work, you are justified. The instant we believe in Jesus, that very moment when we say yes to Jesus, God slams down the gavel and he says, not guilty. It's finished. It's done. There's nothing you can do or have to do to earn it. He's justified you. He, you can't earn it, so stop working so hard at it. Stop working so hard at it. When we say this, oops, when we say stop working so hard at it, does that make you kind of squirm a little bit, anybody? I mean, what do we do if, if we all stop working? I mean, what will happen? My mind says, well, who will get things done? Who's going to reset the room? Who's going who's to lead people to Jesus? Who's gonna, how am I going to earn my keep? How am I going to earn my paycheck? You see, there's this, this chasm that happens where we were taught to earn, to produce, to be of good value. We have to do all these things. Brendan last week was talking about the Christian law with all those lists of things that we think we have to do to be a good Christian. But then you have Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 4 saying, it's the one who doesn't work who's righteous. What is going on here? There is a tension and a disconnect that doesn't make sense. When you have wages, you get what is due. But when you have belief, then you get righteousness. And it's only belief. Nothing more. Paul's saying in verse 5, to be justified by grace, you must stop working. It's the one who doesn't work. Last week's message, Brendan was preaching... I'd like to say I remember everything he said, but I don't because in the first service, the Holy Spirit moved on my heart. And he, I think he was talking about grace. And I realized in my mind that all of a sudden, through the revelation of God and through the goodness and his graciousness and his gentleness... He showed me, he enlightened, and sometimes it's hard to find words for it, but all of a sudden I knew something I didn't know before. I knew how long and how many years and how hard I have been trying to earn my keep. How many years I've been trying to earn a place at the table, to be in, to fit somewhere. Paul's talking about salvation. We don't have to do a thing to earn it. But I think there's an underlying spiritual truth here. I think the Pharisees worked very hard to keep their place at the table. And we don't have to. It was the, when, when the Lord spoke to me last Sunday, it was the birth of this message today. So it's still being worked out, which is risky to even talk about it. But I think it's what the Lord wants us to, to know. And Brendan said this last week, Jesus is what we didn't know we wanted, and then he becomes everything we wanted. 
everything I've worked hard to, the tables that I felt I wanted to be at, the places that I wanted to be in, the acknowledgement that I wanted. It was all stuff that I thought I needed. And God is unraveling it, which is a beautiful thing because when we're living in that place of trying to earn our place at the table, we're not living in grace. We're not living in freedom. Scripture tells us that the truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed. When you're trying to earn your way in, guess what? You're in prison. You're not in grace. There's this tension um, that we have where the world is saying, this is how you get ahead. This is what you need to do. And, in, and please hear me. I'm not saying don't do a good job. But if your motivation is to earn value or earn a place at the table that the Lord is not having you do, then you're in prison. And you're in this tension. And we have to reconcile that the kingdom works differently. The kingdom doesn't want, Jesus does not want us to be motivated by earning our place or earning our keep. He wants us to be motivated by his love in response to his love. If we look at Abraham and we look at the people around us, sometimes we say, I'll never be good enough. You don't have to raise your hands, but I would bet there's other people than me in here that would think that. That I don't qualify. I'm not going to be good enough. How long, Lord, am I going to have to work to get to the place that I think is valuable? When that is our motivation, we're not free. It's not what God wants for us. And it's what the Lord showed me last week. When we strive to belong, when we strive to be good enough, and it's not working, there's usually one or two things we'll do. One is we'll disqualify ourselves and take ourselves out of the game, which is a whole nother sermon. The other thing we'll do is we'll work harder. Anybody done that before? Work harder. Be better. Don't sin as much. Do what you need to do to get your place at the table. Do what you need to do to earn your place and stay there. I looked up in the dictionary. um, Earn your keep. It says contributing enough value to the enterprise to cover the costs of keeping you around. (laughs) God help us. I don't want to earn my keep in that way. He's such a good, loving father. He doesn't want us to live from that place either. He does not want that to be our motivation. Not at all. So I struggled with it. I struggled with, do you have a place at the table? I struggled with trying to be cool and be in the in crowd. To be where I thought I needed to be to be accepted. And this, is, this goes way back in some of our lives. Like, uh, I'm going to tell you this. In a junior high, I really, I mean, it's hard to believe, I know, but I was not cool in junior high. I was nerdy. I was like actually a kind of a lanky string bean kind of a person and I didn't had the had the bad perm that my friend Stephanie gave me that was so tight and it was just horrible it, I couldn't do anything with it and I didn't like doing my hair anyways and so I just here I am 
So we had a group of us that we would like to hang out in the woods. It sounds so weird, but it was like the cool place to go and hang out. And we had um, built a dirt track, kind of like a racetrack, like a figure eight kind of racetrack in the woods. And and I just realized, too, where this was. I live about two blocks from these woods right now. So I can't get away from my past. It's crazy. And, um, and the dirt on this, dirt on this racetrack was that really fine, gray, dusty sand that if it gets wet, it turns black, that kind of sand. And so in my mind, I thought had a brilliant idea. I'm going to ride a bike on this, on this dirt track and show everybody how cool I am. And I had a 10-speed, so I, you know, I knew I couldn't do it with a 10-speed. And so I asked Tom Hinkles, the cutest boy in junior high, I said, can I borrow your bike? And it was one of those lower bikes, you know, that have like a trick bike. And so it was kind of shaped like that. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So I'm like, in my mind, I have this beautiful picture of how I'm going to brilliantly ride this track. And it's going to be so cool. And everybody's going to be like, whoa, Frana. No, it wouldn't have been Franta. Matsko. <laughs> they would have called me Moscow. Moscow, that was so awesome. That was so cool. You know, so in my mind, this is just really playing out really well. And you can feel where I'm going with this. So I start riding the bike, and I'm riding, and I'm riding, and I'm riding. And we had built a jump, and I thought, I'm going to go up over the jump and do a little wheel turn and then come back down. So I go up over the jump, and I turn the wheel, and I land with the wheel turned. The bike instantly stops. I go flying over the handlebars, and my just face planted into this dusty dirt. It was up my nose, and it was in my mouth, and in my ear, and I was just covered in all this gray dust, and I get up, and of course, what is everybody doing? They're all just hysterically laughing. Now, when I look back at that memory, you would think it was kind of painful, but it actually isn't. I do think it's funny. I think it's, <laughs> it's really funny. I have deeper places to go for pain, but yeah. <laughs> But I really thought I was going to be cool, and I really thought I was trying to earn my place. And I realized how much I try to earn my place. It's just not freedom. It's not freedom. Now, we say stop working so hard, and it feels risky, and it feels like maybe we shouldn't be saying that, but I'm talking about the motivation behind it. Do you understand that? If we're trying to earn our place, then we're not operating from the right place. We're not operating from being centered in Jesus. We're not operating from being centered in his grace. We're not operating in a place of settledness where our place at the table has been settled. And we don't have to earn anything. We don't have to earn approval from the world, which is flimsy and false at best most of the time. Our ideas of what it means when we've arrived are if they're not God's ideas, they're the wrong ideas. And don't get me wrong, I'm still going to give. I'm still going to minister. I'm going to still pray with. I'm going I'm to work for the kingdom. I'm going to work to advance the kingdom. I'm going to work to set people free. It's what the Lord has asked of me. But he's working on changing why I do it. That it's going to come from a place of freedom. Freedom. And a place of grace, 
much more than a place of, I've got to work harder. I've got to earn my keep. I've got to earn my place. I think it's what the Lord wants to undo in some of our lives. And if it's all just for me, then that's okay. I'm, I'm happy with that too. But I think there's more people in here that this would be for. That we would reconcile the tension between doing a good job and being responsible and being honest and controlling our money and giving from a place of generosity rather than a have to. Romans 14.8, our good buddy Paul, later in the book, he says, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. (laughs) I just love him. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Your place at the table is settled. Stop working so hard to earn it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that continues to call us into more of your truth. That in your gentle, gracious way, your Holy Spirit tugs at our heart and enlightens us to things that we believe that you want to undo. Lord, I pray that if there's um, anyone else in here besides me that you're speaking to, that you would give them space to let you speak to them, that they would would carve out the time to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? And they would allow truth to come in and set them free. Thank you, Jesus, that you are truth, and knowing you is what sets us free. Pray, Lord, that we would learn more and more how to live in that grace-filled life. Pray over the offering. Lord, I pray that we would give, like I said, not out of a have to, but out of a I get to, a response to your love, a response to your kindness, a response to your goodness. It would be out of a place of generosity and not out of a place of earning a place. So as we enter back into worship, Lord, I pray that you would have your way. Have your way in our hearts, and we surrender. We surrender what we think we ought to do or ought to get to or ought to earn, and and we say, will you show us? Show us the true way. In Jesus' name, amen.
Love. 